Is this a make it or break it year for Heim Bloom? And should the Red Sox extend Alex Verdugo? You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nazuski, and I want to start off talking a little bit about Heimblum, the chief baseball officer for the Red Sox, makes all the front office decisions, and has gotten a lot of flack over the last few years, not only with how the Mookie Betts trade is ending up, uh, with the last place finish of 2022, how he's focused more on the farm system rather than building a winning team for the major league roster. And he's also going into his fourth year with the team. And from what we've seen of guys like Ben Sherrington, Dave Dombrowski, they had four years to show what they could do with the Red Sox roster in the direction of the team. And then if you know the, the owner's weren't happy, they'd get let go. And that's sort of what happened with Charrington, with Dave Dombrowski, and Bloom was sort of brought in to sort of change the mold, have a little bit of a long-term outlook on the team, focus more on building up the farm system, and sort of like he's said since he joined the team in 2019, build a sustainable winner uh, through you know not only building up that system, but also being able to bring in quality MLB talent to be you know, consistently winning year in and year out. And we saw last year that didn't work out too well. 2021 was a different story. The Sox were able to obviously get within two games of getting to the World Series, you know, really defied all odds. And then 2020, I, I, don't, I don't really count that. Uh, with Bloom not only coming in in 2019, the pandemic, the whole chorus situation, having to trade Mookie Betts, and uh, also, who knows early on how much control he really had of being able to construct the roster. But now that he's going into this next season, you know, Lauren and I have spoken about this, you know, not only during the end of last season, but also throughout this offseason, how important this year was for Heimblum to show what he can really do to build up this team, not only for 2023, but also for the future as well. And if this could be a make it or break it season for Heimblum. Well, Sam Kennedy was asked this on Monday uh, in a presser, and he essentially said it straight. You know, he, he sort of silenced all the people that were wondering if this was a make it or break it year or if they were planning on potentially firing Heimblum after this season if things didn't end up going well. He said, Heim is our chief baseball officer, and we don't anticipate any changes. And then John Henry also said two days ago, we are confident in this group. We are confident in Heim. We are confident in the general manager, Brian O'Halloran. And Kennedy also mentioned as well, the expectations far from our fan base are high, and they should be high. We have no expectations. We have all the resources. So pretty much set the record straight. They anticipate Bloom to be with the organization after this season, no no matter what really happens. Now, 
this offseason probably didn't go anywhere close to what this front office sort of planned at the going into this one. Obviously, Bogart's departing, uh, the starting pitching market really depleting very quickly. And maybe they didn't get as many things done as, as they really wanted to. But I'm very curious to see sort of how everything plays out throughout this year. And if the moves that Bloom made are really going to do as well as maybe he thinks. And maybe the Red Sox will sort of be like a 2013 or a 2021, like, you know, we've compared multiple times on this podcast, that they could defy the odds. They could do a lot better than most people expect. And I, I think the one thing that, you know, we've seen Bloom really learn from over the last year or so is, is building up that depth. Getting as much depth as possible because it's so important, especially with you have no clue what things are really going to happen throughout the season in terms of injuries. Uh, obviously, the COVID outbreaks two years ago, and I, I think that you know he's really grown a lot uh, in terms of the moves that he's made. Uh, you know his ability to speak with the media, his ability to be upfront with the fan base as well. You know, he's gotten a lot of flack, which understandably. You know, Red Sox fans, even myself, are very hard on the front office and just the team in general, wanting winning each and every single year. And, you know, I'm somebody who, when Bloom was first hired, you know, I, I said day in and day out, and Heim we trust. You know, I, I thought, you know, he was a genius, one of the smartest guys in baseball coming over from the Rays. Anything that he did, you know, it was just a great move, and he could do no wrong. But, you know, I, I've said... You know, multiple times over the last year or so, uh, my viewpoint on High and Bloom has drastically changed. Uh, I'm a lot more realistic in terms of uh, the moves that he makes and my opinions on the different decisions that he has made uh, over the last year or so. And uh, I'm very honest as well about how I feel. And, you know, I think especially with how he's built up this team, we've said it time and time again, a lot of what ifs, a lot of potential, but it all needs to play out. And I think he's done a great job of, you know, sort of changing the tides in in terms of uh, the clubhouse sort of vibe, the energy, being able to get more swagger and, uh, you know, clubhouse focused players rather than just solely focusing on the talent out there. Now, the one thing that, you know, I, I will knock him for is he's still getting a lot of guys from the Tampa Bay Rays or who used to play for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I would love to see him expand his net a little bit more. Uh, and I think, you know, he needs to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of uh, offering free agents or different guys on, on the current roster, long-term contracts, and, and being flexible with, with spending money. You know, did a little bit more this season than he has, obviously, in the past. Prior to this past season, Kiki Hernandez's two-year $14 million contract was the most amount of money that he spent. You know, obviously... Uh, the Trevor Story was a big investment. The Rafael Devers extension was a big investment. But not to say that I wanted him to get to the 11 years, 290 for Bogards, but he should have been more aggressive. He, he, he should have had offered a little bit more of a competitive offer. You know, we, we've talked about this a ton with Bogards, but that's just an example. And I think especially uh, if, if fans you know, expect him to build up a winner for years to come. And, you you know, if if he wants to build a winner to come, he needs to be more aggressive with, with these different moves and be more flexible in terms of spending money. Because, you know, 
Candy said it best. They have the resources. The Sox have the resources. So there's no if ands, or butts about it. You, you got to spend money in order to win. Like I get the smart decision and everything like that, but there's times where I'm like, Heim, stop dumpster diving. Just, just go and make the moves. So then this team can win right here and now. And I think that this season is really important for Heim Bloom in terms of winning the fans trust back. You know, he had a lot of people rooting for him in 2021. He helped a lot of haters really change their opinions on him and and be or more optimistic about the moves that he had made. And that's what comes with winning. You know, when a team who nobody expected to get anywhere close to the playoffs, you know, just steamrolls through the Yankees in the wildcard game, steamrolls the Rays in the ALDS and, and uh, really surprises everybody, not only in the league, but just within the fan base, you look like a genius. And then when you follow it up with the 2022 season, it's it's tough to, you know, change your opinion about the guy who put this all together. And especially, you know, now what happened with this this past offseason, he he just hasn't gotten a lot of moves that have really excited fans. So I, I, I hope, you know, he he's able to, you know, build up the trust a little bit more. I hope, obviously, this team is able to perform a lot better than most people expect or what what it looks like right now on paper. But I think, you know, from what we hear from the front office, you know, Sam Kennedy, uh, the owners like John Henry, Tom Warner, they they trust Heimblum. They they brought him in for a specific reason. And I I think, you know, they'll give him, you know, five to six years. Uh, But I, I think especially with, you know, some of the trades that he's made, needs to do a lot better on those you know he he came in as as a prospect encyclopedia or, or wizard you know just being able to make these incredible trades that looked like an absolute steal over in tampa had a few of those you know nick pavetta coming over but the benintendi deal looks awful the moogie Betts deal looks awful and obviously the garrett whitlocks worked the the different prospects that he's brought in over and Manuel Valdez, we'll see, but he just needs to be a lot more consistent with some of the moves uh, that he makes in, in order to be able to build the trust up of fans that he, we, we feel like he knows what he's doing. And uh, we're going to be excited going into the season that, you know, maybe these guys might surprise us, but especially with the taste that fans have of Heim Bloom in their current mouth, it's not, it's not great. It's pretty sour. It's gross. You know, and, you know, he, he needs to be able to spice it up a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe put some spices on there. Maybe do some different things to it. Maybe, uh, you know, fry it a little bit to where, you know, fans will, will think it tastes a lot better. And, you know, that comes with winning. That comes with making your decisions look good through good play on the field. And I, I think that overall... Um, you know, this this is a make it or break it season for Bloom in terms of just gaining the trust of fans and having the confidence of fans. But in general, you know, I, like I said, I the, the words speak for itself. The the front office, the owners, they believe in Bloom, the direction that he's bringing them in. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's just continuing to gain the, the trust of the overall fan base. And, uh, you know, I decided to ask you guys on Twitter uh, if this is a make it or break it season for Heim Bloom. And we got uh, Wendy's.com 
uh, he, he ended up saying uh, right now he is on the same path as Charrington. First season, wash wasn't their fault. Second, unexpected playoff run. Third, disappointing last place finish. And fourth, Charrington got the can in August. He said, I think it's fair to say it's make it or break. Then we got uh, Ken Matthias. He said, uh, management and ownership might think otherwise, but us, the people, know with the little moves they made in the offseason, it better be a good start to the year and lead to the postseason. And that's sort of what every single year uh, Red Sox fans have expectations for. We all want winning, especially with, you know, people like myself. I'm 24. You know, that's all I've seen is winning. And so having a season like last year where it was just unwatchable, it's tough to really have confidence going into the season and have excitement about this team. But uh, especially with everything happening with spring training and just, you know, my overall love and passion for baseball, as I bet, you know, most of you who are listening to this podcast have, you're just excited for baseball to be back. But, you know, will the Red Sox go out and win the World Series? I can't confidently say that. I bet you can't either. Uh, we got Tristan Cassis and Joyer. He said yes. And we got Jill. She said, let's hope so. There are definitely some fans out there that don't want to see I'm Bloom here anymore. Anytime, you know, I go on to like a Red Sox live stream or whatever it is, just a regular like post talking about the Sox. There's so many uh, fire Bloom. Get them out of here. And Makes sense. You know, he, he hasn't really done a lot to get fans excited or confident that he is the right guy to help this team win another World Series. Hopefully he can change that this season. All he can do is hope and be optimistic. Then we got National Goalie Hug Association. According to the fans, yes. In reality, no. I, I agree with that. And then uh, New York Patriot, he said nope. So, you know, we, we got some mixed reactions there. But, you know, kind of like I said, you know, we'll, we'll wrap the bow in this. Uh, at the end of the day, I think in the eyes of the front office, he's going to stay for another few years. In the eyes of the fans, he just needs to build up that trust in terms of just wins. And, and that's that's really that's really it. And I also wanted to mention, in terms of Brian Bayo, we spoke about his injury in yesterday's episode. And according to Jim McCaffrey, she said Bayo is, was throwing a little bit at a shorter distance than others as he continues to build up on Monday when he was scheduled to come back after his forearm tightness. And she, McCaffrey also said after a brief chat with Bush and the trainers, Bayo is staying to do PFPs with the rest of the group and the trainers are headed to the other field. So that seems like a good sign. And especially when I saw her tweet earlier today that he was throwing, he was out there, ended up, you know, continuing to try and build up back to where he was before. That's a good sign in general. You know, we, we were a little bit nervous yesterday speaking about, uh, could this be Tommy John surgery? Is this serious? Then maybe we think. Luckily, doesn't look like that. So, you know, continue to knock on wood. Continue to do your prayers. Continue to light your candles. Continue to do, you know, wh whatever good luck stuff that you got to do. We got to make sure Brian Bayo is healthy for this season. And, you know, hopefully he can stay like that. So then, you know, the Red Sox have a better chance to help you win some money if you bet on them uh, this season. But, I just wanted to take a second to talk to you about FanDuel before we get into our next segment, talking about Alex Verdugo's potential contract extension. And with the midway point of the NBA season here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, 
FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So one player that Bloom ended up bringing over in Alex Verdugo from the Mookie Betts trade has a really big season ahead of him. Uh, really career-defining, in, in my opinion, sort of season. We, we've seen, since he came over from the Red Sox in 2020, was essentially the only bright spot during the 2020 COVID season. And then 2021 ended up, you know, getting a little bit better. And then last year was a little bit of a dip down. And, you know, a lot of fans were expecting Verdugo to take a massive step last year, you know, and especially now that it's going into, you know, year three, year four of, of you know, his time in Boston, also his time in the majors. He, he really needs to show this team that he is what they traded for and that he is going to be a consistent major leaguer that is going to be able to produce to this team, not only with his energy and his clubhouse presence, which all fans love, but also with his play and that he's going to be able to produce at a high level and be able to really help the team offensively, but also defensively as well. And it was reported today by Gabrielle Starr from the Boston Herald, good friend of the podcast, that Alex Verdugo approached the Red Sox about an extension. And he told team's leadership and made it clear that he wants to stay with the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, this is something that, you know, he brought up last year uh, in a press conference after the game when he was asked about, you know, how he's really enjoyed uh, the transition to Boston, you know, playing for the Sox. And he sort of alluded to the same as that thing. He said, I want to stay with Boston for the rest of my career. And as, as somebody who's been a fan of him ever since he came over to the squad, I would love to see that. But at the same time, I also want to be able to see him take a little bit of a step up this year. And there's two ways that, you know, this could really go. You know, they offer him a deal and it ends up, you know, really looking bad throughout the first season if if he really underachieves this year. Or, you know, if they don't offer him a deal uh, during the beginning of the season and he ends up overachieving and, you know, having the best year of his career, then the price just skyrockets. Then you just shot yourself in the foot. And so, you know, I'm curious to see how they really go about this. If they try and be conservative with him and offer him a fair deal before the season starts, just to get it done, just to get him under contract. But, you know, it's not something that they really need to rush either as well. You know, he's got, he's got two years left uh, on his deal. So it's, it's good to, you know, look forward. And, you know, that's one thing that I, you know, talked about in our first segment, I would love to see more extensions with, you know, guys like Verdugo, Cassis, Bayo, sort of be able to help build up the future core of this team so fans can continue to get excited about the future teams and and not sort of be in the same situation when like we were like in last year where, where there was tons of guys who were going to be free agents. You had no clue what the depth chart was going to look like. And I'm just thinking, what is there to be excited about? Who, who's even going to be on the team next year? And, you know, that also helps out guys as well. I feel like who are going to be traded over, signed uh, in free agency to – feel like they're going to be with the same core year in and year out. That helps guys feel comfortable in the clubhouse. And so it's not like turnover year each year. So 
I, I think with Verdugo, the one thing that really hurt him last year was, according to his brother, he fractured his toe for the first two months of the season. I think that really hurt his production, especially early on. We saw in the first 46 days from opening day through May 31st, he only hit 227 with three home runs in 24 RBIs, and especially with his swing, the way that he sort of loads from tapping his front foot you know, especially if it was his front foot, it's tough to be able to get power and to be able to have comfortability within your swing, especially if your toe is fractured, if it hurts anytime, you know, you load up or anytime you're up a bat and especially being able to run the outfield. I can't imagine that that's easy whatsoever. But, you know, then we saw from uh, June 1st through the last game of the season on October 5th, Verdugo ended up hitting 302 with 38 extra base hits and eight home runs. Seemed like a completely different player, was one of the most effective guys in the Red Sox lineup after that time. So curious to see if, you know, he was not only able to nurse that toe, able to, you know, be able to heal it up to where it felt comfortable, where he was able to play consistently without, you know, feeling hurt or anything like that. But I'm curious to see what a full strength Alex Verdugo looks like, especially with how he came into camp uh, this, this past week sort of looked like he was in the best shape of his life. That's that's sort of everything that I've been hearing coming out of Red Sox spring training is Alex Verdugo is coming in with a new mindset. You know, really took seriously what Alex Cora said at the end of the year that, you know, Verdugo really needs to take a big step. Seems like he was really able to use that criticism from Cora to motivate him to put a lot of focus in becoming a lot better player throughout this offseason. Also, according to his, his brother, he said working out, he was working out at a speed and agility center in Rancho, he looks lean, working on becoming quicker and putting more focus on athletic movements in his lifting routines. And one thing that you know we, we've heard from Alex Cora as well as Heim Bloom is that they're looking for Verdugo to focus more on getting on base rather than hitting home runs. You know, sort of what we saw with Andrew Benintendi uh, during his second or third year with the team. He really tried to bulk up hit a lot of home runs that ended up really hurting his swing and his offensive approach and obviously hurting his overall numbers at the end of the season. I think that's sort of what happened with Verdugo last year. He, he really wanted to build up, add more power to his game. Didn't end up working out and ended up causing, in my opinion, more injuries and less offensive production than, you know, he obviously anticipated. So hoping to see what a more, quicker and lean Alex Verdugo looks like if he's able to get on base more consistently, if he's able to, you know, have the best season of his career, like his brother has talked about. And, you know, as, as you know, most are predicting and hoping for, especially with how he showed up uh, so far in spring training, but all the best for Alex Verdugo. I'm excited to see sort of how he's able to bounce back after a tough year last year, but uh, also asked you guys on Twitter about a Verdugo potential uh, extension. In my mind, I think that, you know, four years, 45 to 50 mil is fair. I don't feel super, super comfortable going over four years. You know, in my mind, three to four years uh, is understandable, especially not knowing exactly what you have in him yet. You know, I, I don't think he's given you the best season of his career yet. I don't think he's shown you fully what he can do. And so being able to have a little bit more clarity on the player that you're going to be able to get long-term in Alex Verdugo, I think is, is very necessary when, when you're uh, signing a contract like that or putting forward that amount of money for a player like that. But I, th I think around, you know, 10 to $12 million a year, at least for the value that he has right now, 
is is right in the ballpark. And you know, we we had Brandon Youngblood. He said he's going to get under what Benny got on the open market. I'm sure five years, sixty to seventy million. I bet. Very curious to see how his performance this year uh, really either helps his value get even higher, or you know, maybe the Red Sox are able to get a discount, or you know, maybe after this season as well, they just think maybe we just need to move on for from Verdugo and, you know, we just end up trading him. Because that was one thing that we heard about throughout the season is could Alex Verdugo be traded? He was one of the guys that was brought up multiple times as a potential uh, trade candidate. So curious to see how the contract extensions really materially throughout throughout spring training. You know, we've seen some guys not like to talk about extensions during uh, spring training and before the season, but we've also seen other guys on like on the Atlanta Braves and, you know, other guys uh, over the last year or so sign those extensions in the middle of the season. So very curious to see what happens with that. Obviously, we'll keep you updated with everything that we hear on this podcast. But before we get into our third and final segment, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Built Bar. So if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. And I know one of my goals is eating a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise the taste, then man, you have to try Built Bar. They are covered in 100% real chocolate, and it's incredible with how not only good they taste, but how good they are for you. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And one thing that always surprises me anytime I eat them is that they have 17 grams of protein only 130 calories and four grams of sugar. They honestly taste like a candy bar. It's pretty incredible. And now you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can just go get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. So make sure to go and get your Built Bars at Built.com or also, like I mentioned, at your local Sam's Club or your Walmart. But as we go into our third and final segment of this episode, I just want to touch on one thing that Alex Cora spoke about in his press conference earlier yesterday. He says that a lot of the non-roster invitees will likely pitch the first few games and says that Kluber is scheduled to be the first of the Major League starters to start a game, which will be next Monday. So... Very curious to see not only the lineup that Alex Cora puts out and also how the non-roster invitees are able to perform in the first few spring training games. Obviously, these games don't matter. It's it's sort of like a tryout for a lot of these players. We haven't seen, you know, these spring training games really mean a lot for a lot of the players who are already obviously cemented or thought of to be on the 26-man roster. But, you know, Crazier things have happened. We saw Cutter Crawford find a way to sneak on, sneak onto the major league roster, opening day roster after he pitched great throughout spring training and really impressed the coaches last year. So curious to see if any pitchers are really able to do that throughout this spring training and and find a way to impress those different those different coaches or decision makers. And I'm also excited to see what Corey Kluber is able to bring. Obviously has a lot of expectations on him going into this season, looked at as, you know, the number two, number three in this rotation. And I, I'm very also curious to see how they build up these players. You know, a guy like Garrett Whitlock or Tanner Houck, you know, who are expected, you know, James Paxton as well, who are expected to 
maybe be starters, maybe be long relievers. Obviously, Whitlock has already been cemented in the rotation, but, you know, how can Paxton? How are they really going to pitch those guys throughout spring training? How are they going to help them be able to build up in case they do want them to start in the rotation at some point throughout the season? But, you know, as Lauren and I said, you know, yesterday, this is what spring training is all about, you know, overanalyzing all the different storylines that come out each and every single day and trying to, you know, figure out and, and get into uh, Alex Cora in Bloom's mind and predict and guess on uh, not only what the opening day roster looks like, but how the season might end up working out. But at the end of the day, I know everybody who's listening to this podcast is probably as excited as I am for this season to start. And just that baseball is back. Just, you know, that we're seeing the things on Twitter, being able to see all these new signings get in action and, and you know, start to mold together and build up this uh, hopefully next great Red Sox team that we're, we talk about for years to come. That's the goal. All you can really do is be optimistic and uh, try and get excited about this season, even though it might not you know, look super duper exciting. But as always, we're going to keep you knowledgeable and updated about everything that is happening with the Boston Red Sox leading up to the season. We're going to be posting five days a week. So make sure to subscribe on whatever audio platform that you're listening to or over on YouTube. And we also want to thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. So make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to follow Locked On Red Sox on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Myself, it's at Jake Iggy. And also, my co-host Lauren is La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. We hope everybody has a great rest of their day, and we'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith, and let's go Sox!